Okay, here we go. Well, welcome to Power Living uh, with Kimberly Langford. As a nurse, coach, Reiki master, and entrepreneur, I've built my life and work around helping and empowering others to live their best, healthiest, and most authentically happy and powerful lives. I share and visit with experts on all aspects of wellness, physical, emotional, financial, career, business health, relationships, environmental health, and more. So if you want to step into your best self, listen in every Saturday morning as we share new and old ideas to help set you up for the coming week as a fresh start for a better and better you. And I'm super duper excited today to have my good friend, Michelle. I love her so much. I had to move to Meridian right, right, long, right behind her. Michelle Anderson is, not only is she a mentor to, to many uh, she's incredibly inspirational. So uh, not to brag about you too much, but you're a mom, you're a wife, you uh, had managed a very successful, one of the best practices, uh, not by my opinion, it's by popular vote uh, in North Idaho in Sandpoint, where we both moved from. Uh, took care of a whole community. You were a hospice volunteer, and I know the, the good work you did there blessed a lot of people. And now we're trying to clone you. And you were able to build this amazing practice as a nurse practitioner, and all the while uh, completing getting your doctorate. And I know you've inspired my son, who's now he's working at Sacred Heart. His goal is to grow up to be like Michelle Anderson and get his go into being a nurse practitioner and who knows maybe being a doctor or nurse practitioner uh we'll we'll see but i'm so glad you're here and i know we're we were just going to talk about some juicy topics but in particular uh gosh just share if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your journey and you know because you've worked hard to get where you are and um i know you're you're spurned by a passion for um our field Maybe you can just start off by sharing a little bit about that. Sure. I always say I came into nursing by accident. It was actually never my intention. So there you go. Yeah. It's funny when you land into something that you don't expect to land into and it, it ends up being your calling. I always say you're directed where you need to be sometimes. I initially wanted to be an ultrasound technician. That was my goal. And I had made it down to the final 15 for the interview process and was declined at the last spot. And I was so sad. And I remember a good friend of mine at the time said, because I'm from Canada, and at that time, another way to become an ultrasound technician was to become a nurse first. And I thought, oh, I don't want to be a nurse. <laughs> Famous last words. I don't want to be a doctor's handmaiden. Oh, if I could take those words back, I wouldn't heartbeat. Um, but I went and I applied and I got in. I'm like, yeah, I got in. Yay. I started the school. I started with a registered nurse. I started with a diploma. And the first time, Kimberly, I walked into a patient's room, I knew mm -hmm. I was exactly where I was supposed to be. I it's had somehow, yeah, I just knew it just settled inside my soul. And I knew this was what I was supposed to be. Never, ever considered ultrasound technology again. Not that there's anything wrong with that profession. It's amazing. But after I got my um, diploma, I went on and got my bachelor's. And so I'm from Canada. I got my bachelor's at the University of Calgary. 
And at that time, I decided to do my clinical practicum in South America. So I spent four months down in Cali, Colombia, working in infant maternal health. And I wanted to work in a tertiary care center. So a care center where there was not a lot of access to care. And I ended up in um, working nights in a labor and delivery, I'll call it unit for lack of a better description, that had dirt floors, um, families brought in food for their family members who were having babies. And I learned so much about the importance of communication, not just verbal, but the importance of nonverbal and the importance about being a supportive person and that being a nurse can transcend language if done the right way. Absolutely. And you don't need that. And so I came back from that. I think a changed person because um, Canada is a beautiful, lovely country. And, but what I learned having lived in a third world country was how blessed we are for living in North America. Not that it's un unpleasant to live in South America, but just how much more gifts were given up here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And following that, I ended up taking a job as a travel nurse and ended up in North Carolina. And I worked in an emergency department there. Holy moly, was that ever an eye-opening experience. 28 beds. I worked my way up to weekend, night, charge. And, oh, you see the best and the worst of people in a situation like that. Oh, yeah. Just when you think you've seen and heard everything, the world gives you something different that you haven't seen or heard. So after five years of that, um, I decided I wanted to have a greater impact on patients' outcomes, not just in an emergency setting, but prior to ever getting to an emergency room. So I went back and got my master's and my family nurse practitioner certificate from Duke University, which is a phenomenal education. I worked in um, acute care hospitalists and then cardiology for four years. And then my husband, who's a chiropractor, decided he wanted to relocate to Idaho. And I'm from Alberta, so it's just north of Idaho. But it was like, Idaho? What is in Idaho? <laughs> and he said, this cool little place called Sandpoint. Take a look at it. And I Googled it from the physician's lounge where I was working. And I was like, oh, well, that looks pretty. And we came and we looked at it and we fell in love and we moved across the country. And I had been there about a year or so before I decided I wanted to um, start my own practice. And that came from going into a job where I wasn't liking what I was doing anymore when I first moved there. And I'm a big fan of if you're not happy, you have to find your own source of happiness. Amen. Somebody else can't make it for you. You have to find it yourself. Somebody, Absolutely. if you rely on other people to make you happy, you'll never be fully happy. You have to do it yourself. And I determined when I went, I had to decide was it where I was working or was it what I was doing? Because that would help me determine what I needed to do mm -hmm. next. And I discovered that when I, same thing as when I first became a nurse, as soon as I walked into the room, I was at peace. I was where I was supposed to be. I was sitting there communicating with that patient. We were making changes. We were making plans for their health. That was wonderful. But every time I left the room and had to deal with all the things that were part of that practice, I was like, this is miserable. And then I knew. And my husband, he had had his own practice. And he, they don't teach you at nursing school how to run your own business. No. Um, <laughs> he says, you can do your own practice. I'm like, do my own what? And he's like, you can do your own practice. I'm like, I don't know the first thing about doing my own practice. I found a fabulous book, read it over Christmas break. My husband guided me. And between the two of us and that book, within three months of making that decision, I had opened the doors to my own practice. Uh, so your husband was actually your inspiration. Huge. And he was my cheerleader. 
Yeah. It's too hard to do without great support. Anything is most yeah. times, but he was my biggest cheerleader and my greatest support. And mm-hmm. he helped. He knew he'd done it for years. He knew exactly. He's taught. He was taught at school how to run a business. Yeah. So it wasn't many years after starting that, that I decided I wanted to go back and get my doctorate because I always think um, you should always try to, to be the best at what you're going to do, especially when you're impacting patients' lives. Right. And if there was something a doctorate of nursing practice could give me to make me better at that, then I was all about it. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. And, and that is my long story. Goodness. Uh, it's a beautiful story, though. You know what? The, the one thing that really strikes out that I think that anybody can take away from, from that discussion is that really, truly finding you have responsibility for creating the life. I mean, you, you think we spend so much of our lives working that it just makes sense to find joy. And when you find joy, that's where you'll create an impact. Um, you know, and I always like, said, it was, never, it was never a job. It was such a blessing and a joy. Yes. There was never a single day that I hated going in and doing like what a I calling. Yeah, yeah, it was just always wonderful. It really yeah. was. Talking and communicating with people was wonderful. Absolutely. And now you are sharing that vision and passion with your students. I am. I am now teaching in the um, Idaho um, State University uh, School of Nursing in their graduate um, program, teaching other nurses to become doctorate of nursing practice providers. Which, oh my goodness, you think about, it's interesting as I think about, you know, for, for our, my field, in the last probably decade, I've focused in on kidney disease in particular in the business of as, as you know, I've transferred a little bit. I've jumped the fence in thinking about, you know, how can I impact, kind of like you, how can I impact more people? And, and especially, you know, in, in the field of kidney disease in particular, the thing that gets me juiced up the most is that, you know, you figure, gosh, what is it? Almost si- si- around 60% of the new cases of ESRD where people end up needing some kind of replacement for their kidneys function can be prevented. Nobody's talking about it. (laughs) And, um, you know, it's interesting as I sit around the table with clinicians, physicians, and talk to them about, you know, our, you know, what we do here at specialty care management, when you talk to folks, most doctors will, will lament about how they don't have, they don't most, they're, they're seeing what 30, 40 patients in an eight hour day, they're rounding before and after, when are they going to sit down and have that conversation that sometimes takes 30 to 40 minutes to turn on the light bulb? They, they don't have it. Physicians are in shortage. Nephrologists or your kidney specialists, they're in even shorter supply. And so where, who's going who's gonna to step up and fill the gap? We don't have enough. So entree, the nurse practitioner, right? The huge demand. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that milieu. Well, I know in the state of Idaho, probably between 50 and 60% of primary care is provided by a family nurse practitioner. Um, Idaho itself has a huge rural population, and it is the nurse practitioners who are typically going into the rural setting to provide the care. Um, Doctors, because there is such a shortage, they can pick and choose some of the jobs and selections that they have. And so you'll find them a lot more often in an urban setting. I mean, in Sandpoint, we have, have phenomenal um, physicians available, but it's, it's a lifestyle community. Not all communities are like that. There's not right. a ski hill on a lake to draw you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yep. yeah. 
it is, it's a resort community. So there's people who choose to work there because of the amenities available and the lifestyle in which they can raise their family. But you're not going to see that in all rural settings. So that's where you'll see a lot of family nurse practitioners jump in and, and take the reins and start taking care. And we are able to put out family nurse practitioners quicker than physicians because of the difference in the um, education. You know, and you'll often hear people um, talk about that as a negative for a nurse practitioner, but I'll tell you the majority of nurse practitioners have had multiple years as a nurse before they become a nurse practitioner. Absolutely. And that type of hands-on education at the bedside, talking with patients and learning how to evaluate them from the very onset adds to their ability to be a successful nurse practitioner instrumentally. Absolutely. Yeah. Practi practical experience. Yeah, yeah, very, very unique. Yeah, and uh, the other thing, and, and not ditching our medical uh, mm -hmm. friends, because we need, we need them. They're, absolutely, we're partners. We rely on them. But, you know, the strength, when I think about what, what's the hallmark differentiator, and I'd love to hear your opinion, but to me, the nurse is the, our specialty is really educating taking the time to really educate people in a practice, not just shoving knowledge, right? Because the average physician, not again, not ditching my doctor friends, but a patient goes in and they're told go home and lose weight. And the patient goes home and they say, well, if I knew how to do that, <laughs> right? That right. just takes some time. And yeah. what, what is the meaning behind that? The nurse's brain goes to what's the meaning behind that? What are the stimuli that are feeding the, the what are the barriers? What are the... And they have, they have more of the time and the, I guess, the expertise at, at teaching. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think we're educated differently. Our models are different. We come at it from a nursing model, which is biopsychosocial. We take into all aspects, not just the physical, but we take into the social, meaning their income, who's around them, what support systems they have, and their spiritual. We take in all the components, and then we sit back and we talk with them. We don't educate directly, we talk. And right. we have a conversation where we exchange information. And through that, we know what they are able to do and what they can't do. So we can gear our education to fit that need. And during that conversation, you're building trust. So if things aren't working out super well, they'll come back and you can have a different conversation in a different way. Right. Um, and it is, we're blessed with the time. We can spend a little bit more time with them. Our physician colleagues have a tighter schedule sometimes, which makes it more difficult for them to be able to, to do that. Plus they're trained slightly different than we are. Right, the medical, the medical model is one geared toward disease, which is fantastic because we need that as well. Almost definitely. But we also need a model that says, you're not broken. You're not broken. You just, you know, and what are the resources you have? And that's a beautiful, the, the two, very complimentary. We need both. So very interesting. And so kind of changing gears a little bit. I know we were talking a little earlier about, um, uh, you know, with the current state of affairs that everybody's sick of talking about or hearing about with this COVID. As you know, down here, we're in condition red and whatever that means for whatever. And there's the debate on, do you mask? Do you not mask? And, and uh, earlier we were talking a lot about, and it sounds like you're of a similar mindset in that really my main enemy is, is fear, right? Fear is not going to bring us any better outcome. It's not going to bring us a good outcome at all. But if you were to give, cause I know we're almost out of time as well, but what would your, 
what would your heart of hearts be to direct people in our community in, uh, in particular? How would you, what, what kind of message would you like them to, to take away in terms of, you know, this pandemic? Oh, that's hard that's to summarize. <clears throat> I would say go where the science leads you. And currently the science is leading you to mask up. And it's not to protect yourself. And that's, I think, where a lot of people misunderstand the concept of the mask. It's to protect others. There's a lot of asymptomatic transmitters in our community and in our communities far and wide. And by wearing the mask, you're able to minimize that transmission, if not eliminate it to other people around you. So if you're not able to maintain your distance, then putting a mask on is relevant, as is washing hands. It's just and courteous. It is. Just be a good human. Just be a good human. It doesn't have to be a political debate because the disease is not political. It's been politicized because it's entering our environment and our um, area during a time where there's a lot of division in our country and in the world, but definitely in our country. And so it's been made to feel politicized, but it's not. The disease, COVID doesn't care if you're Democrat, it doesn't care if you're Republican, it doesn't care if you're Black, it doesn't care if you're white, and more recently, it doesn't care if you're young or if you're old. Mm. Um, you know, outcomes are different for different people. Um, some people have greater access to better care for it, other people don't. So don't be fearful. I mean, eventually herd immunity will happen, but if herd immunity happened all at once, our um, hospital systems would be overwhelmed with what they could do. And then what would happen is you'd be, you'd have people in there with COVID, but you'd have other people who have the typical illnesses, such as heart attacks and strokes, who wouldn't be able to access and have care. So you do have increased death because of COVID, not even just directly because of COVID, but in relation to the inability to get services because it's being taken up in a different way. And just not to be fearful, but be kind to people. You know, everybody has different beliefs on this. Everybody feels different about what a mask means to their freedom. Um, but in general, just just be a good human. If we can get behind curtailing this, minimizing it, we're probably looking at 18 months based on scientific fact till we're kind of on a downward swing. None of us like that. I'm from Canada and I can't even go up and visit my family because the border's been closed since sometime in the early spring. So I can't even see my family. You know, and that's because we can't get a handle on it down here because everybody has made it such a horrible thing. And it is horrible, but they've made the concept of how we take care of it a horrible thing of um, if you wear a mask, you're this person. If you don't wear a mask, you're this person. Just be a good person. Just yeah. be a good person. And we talked earlier, Kimberly, on the opposite of all that fear and anger is the flip side of love. And just look at yeah. it with love. We talked I, about that. That's I, what we need to do. I absolutely love how you flip that. You know, we don't have to, and, and that's exactly when we need to pour it on. I once heard a friend, and I, I love that expression, if you're not pouring it on thick, you're not pouring it on thick enough. This is, like you said, this is a time to be gentler than you maybe otherwise would be inclined to. This is a time to withhold judgment. This is a time to go out of your way to show respect. Um, and it's just, it's just a, you know, where you look at 20 years from now, a lot of people aren't going to remember it. You know, I do think though, you know, you, you look at what, 18 months, three years, that goes by like that. It the does. It doesn't feel like it right now, but it does. It doesn't feel like it when you're in the middle of it, but five years from now, it'll be a memory, right? But the, the, the folks that I tend to be the most worried about, I think, are our teens. Three years, 18 months, three years is no big deal in the span of a lifetime, but where they are psychosocially in their development, that's a big chunk of time for them. They're worried about prom. That's a big deal. 
<laughs> and we're trying to tell them, dude, not a big deal. <laughs> but in their little brains, it's a big deal. What well, they have to compare it to, yep. Yeah, so what would your advice be to like our high school kids right now? Hang in there, be kind to yourself, be kind to people around you. Um, you can do all those same things. You're just going to look a little bit differently than how you'd envisioned them from the past. And that's okay too. It's okay too. I mean, I have children who don't remember 9-11 because they weren't born then, you know, and how significant and impactful that was and how everybody came together during that time. And they know, just read about it in history. And every time that day comes to pass, I remember that day. This time will be similar to that. Just remember how you responded during this time. Be kind to people. And when those three years pass or that 18 months pass and you're looking back, you'll be different. You won't have experienced it the same as your classmates or peers from two years or three years ago will have. But you can be better because of it because you're going to do it differently. Do it well. Yeah, and you bring up a Make great... Make your own. It's your own Make happiness. It. Create it. Create it, right? Take some, so take some personal responsibility. Learn how to be flexible. And that's an important skill. I think that a lot of us grown-ups in our community, we can model that for our teens. Mm -hmm. Whether they're your teens or not, you model that flexibility and kindness, and they pick up on that. That's a great skill to have. I don't care how that lesson comes. It's a great lesson. Yeah. Everything won't always land on your lap. So you might as well learn how to work with what you're given. Absolutely. Make lemons. Make lemonade from lemons. Absolutely. Because find a pretty mask. Oh, a pretty mask. I like it. I had some design. I, I don't have them with me. I put one on. but Oh, I have good ones. I have to show you. You got a pretty one? Well, uh -huh. I've got, of course, on my ISU one. Oh, I like that. And then this is my current personal favorite. Oh, okay. I, I officially covered that one, sister. It's a good one. It's the one I wear the most, and it washes nice. One of our girlfriends up there has uh, developed masks that coordinate with her outfits. and her <laughs> See, that's how you make lemonade out of lemons. Coordinate one to go with your prom dress. Put sequins on it. I don't know. Turn it into a tuxedo. Just make it cool. And have fun. It, and that's an important, we could talk about that concept, having fun in between all that too. It's good for your yep. immune system and society. So, Absolutely. Well, Michelle, I, you know, I adore you. I just love your guts. I appreciate it. as busy as you are taking time out to uh, talk with us today. Really appreciate it. You I appreciate you inviting me and wanting to hear me. <laughs> Always. Are you kidding? Let's talk again. All right. Take good care, Kim. Okay. You too. Bye.